I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. Good morning. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. Welcome to the Modesto campus. It's great to see everybody here in the worship center. Welcome to everybody who's joining us live right now. And we're glad to be with you through online. And you can see me, and I can't see you. And I just want to know, I want you to know that we'd love to have you come, be in person. And that way we could worship the Lord together. I want to share a thank you to a few people. First, I want to say Thank you to everyone who serves at Big Valley Grace Community Church. Thank you so much for serving. I uh, just really appreciate you using your gift for the Lord. And uh, I got another guy over here. He's not going to like that I'm doing this right now. This is my neighbor. Come, come on over here. I grew up three doors down from this guy. So if you want to know any dirt about my life, all right, you can just come talk to him. But my friend Phil and his bride, Alice, which I saw here, she's, she's right back here. They're moving up to Lincoln to be near their grandkids. And I thought, you know, this is their last weekend with us. I thought maybe we could thank them. They've been serving for decades. So I love you, buddy. Thank you, brother. I love you, too. Thank you. Uh, I may or may not have done some bad things in the neighborhood. So you can talk to him about, about that. You can, you can find that out. But also, I wanna, I'm interested to know, is there anyone here, you serve in family ministries, you serve holding babies, toddlers, in Ohana Island, in elementary ministry, middle school ministry, high school ministry. If you serve in family ministries, just raise your hand. Hey, thank you. Thank you for serving in family ministries, all right? Awesome. Man, I appreciate you guys making that investment, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that together today. Before we get into our time in the scripture, I want to share about the series that's coming up starting in February and March. It's called Built to Last, and the tagline is equipping faith that is built to last in a decaying culture that comes from Ephesians 4, and that's the type of faith we want to equip children, students, their parents, families all of us at Big Valley Grace Community Church. And what we have here is a bookmark. Hopefully you received this bookmark when you came in today. If you didn't, please grab it on the way out. This is a reading plan, and the reading plan starts tomorrow. And we're doing that very purposely because we want our church family reading the text before we come into the gatherings together each of, of these weeks. So this reading plan is a seven-week reading plan. I'd encourage you to, to take this and let's read through these passages together and that begins tomorrow. We're excited to, to go through this new series. My wife and I are excited for this for our church family. We've been in a series called Pour in the month of January. This series is about how God pours into our life that we might live full in Jesus Christ to be able to pour into the lives of others and how this generation needs Jesus. 
And that's where we're gonna focus today is about how this generation needs Jesus. And I'll, we're gonna look at four different passages. The first passage is 2 Timothy. That's in the, near the end of our, of our Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible. Come to the altar room here on the Modesto campus right after the gathering. We have Bibles there and we would like you to have one. So I'll begin in this way. This generation needs Jesus in three very important ways. Now, this generation needs Jesus in more than just these three ways. But these are very significant ways that this generation needs Jesus. And the four passages we're gonna look at will really be very instructive to us in how we as followers of Jesus can impact this generation for Jesus Christ. So in 2 Timothy, in chapter one, verse one, Paul is writing to Timothy. And he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. So Paul is letting us know who he is. He's a servant of Jesus. God's called him. And he's now serving according to the call of Christ on his life. To Timothy, my beloved child. Timothy was not his biological son, but what we're seeing here is a relationship in the family of God. We see this all throughout. You know, there may be people in your life that have been like spiritual parents to you. Maybe there are people in your life that uh, they're like spiritual children to you. Maybe there's men, women in your life, they're like spiritual siblings to you, brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's amazing how the family of God works. By the power of the Holy Spirit of God, God unites people through his spirit to be able to have incredible relationships. And we see that right here with Paul and Timothy. To Timothy, my beloved child. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. The best of the Lord he wants to bless Timothy with. The grace, the mercy, the peace of God. I thank God whom I've served as did my ancestors. He's saying, hey, I came from a line of people who served God, I served God. And I would just make a note that you may not be able to say that about your family. Maybe you're not able to say, I come from a, a line of people who have served Jesus. I don't have ancestors who serve Jesus. And to you, I would say, you're the first. You're the first in the line. And may you be the first in the line as people, you begin to influence people for Jesus. They'll look back to you to say, hey, I remember that person who invested Jesus into my life. It might be that you got a great spiritual heritage and you're able to look and go, hey, my family's followed Jesus for generations and praise God for that testimony. Praise God for that testimony. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. He's praying for Timothy. I remember your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. And so you can see the, 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 the strength of relationship, the love for one another, the joy of Jesus Christ as we're a part of the body. Verse five, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois. And I, I wonder how many here could say that, that first your grandmother followed Jesus. And because your grandmother followed Jesus, you follow Jesus. I, I'm imagining there's a number of us here who could say my grandmother followed Jesus first. And your mother Eunice. I'm imagining there's many here who could say, hey, my mother followed Jesus first. And now I follow Jesus. And then Paul says, I'm sure now dwells in you as well. So I've seen faith in your grandma. I've seen faith in your mom. 
and now I see faith in you. That's three generations of faith. That's an incredible testimony. And that might be your testimony, is that you're a part of multiple generations of faith. It might be your generation number one. And, and we want you to know, if you're generation number one, we are here with you. And we are excited how you are gonna be generation number one for your family. And your church wants to walk with you as you begin a new way for your family, a way of following Jesus. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So he's saying, hey, we laid hands on you, we prayed for you. Believers, when, when people come to faith in Christ, God places his Holy Spirit in them. And the Holy Spirit of God inside the life of a believer gives gifts to the believer. And he's saying, use them. Don't let your gifts go stale on the shelf. Use them, fan them into flame. Let your gifts burn hot in Jesus as you serve him. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And it might be that you experience being timid or being afraid to talk about Jesus to share Jesus, but Jesus didn't give us a spirit to be afraid. He gave us power and love and self-control in Jesus Christ. That's what we have. And so we don't need to operate out of a place of fear in our relationship with Jesus, telling people about Jesus, because we have the power of God, we have the love of God, and we have self-control in God. And so we have what we need to talk to people about Jesus. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. This, this generation needs Jesus badly. This generation wants to silence followers of Jesus. This generation wants to remove the Bible from all contexts. This generation uh, is opposing the grace of God being lived out in the family of God. And that may be so daunting to you that you have taken a step back, you have shut your mouth, and you have been silent, and you have been inactive. And the encouragement from the text is, do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed to follow Jesus. Even Paul, he's suffering for following Jesus, and he's encouraging Timothy, even though I am suffering for following Jesus, do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed to follow Jesus. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. This is not about how much do we do for Jesus. This is about how much did Jesus already do for us and how can we live in response to what Jesus has already done in our lives. Christ has accomplished the work that needs to be done and we live in light of the work that Christ has accomplished and we respond to him. And we follow him, his purpose, his grace. It says that began in Christ Jesus before the ages began. That means before creation, the grace of God is already at work in your life. Before you were ever created, the grace of God already had a plan. And then it says, and now which has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus. So before creation, God's plan of grace was intact and in the appearing of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, when Jesus was on earth, now the, the grace appears in Jesus. And what did that grace do? That grace abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus Christ dying on the cross 
to pay for my sin and to pay for your sin, to conquer sin. Being buried but not staying dead, he conquers death. He's resurrected to new life three days later. He appears to many in resurrected life and he ascends to the Father where he now rules and reigns in the throne room of heaven. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the grace of Jesus Christ. That we would have that in our hearts and we would share it with others. For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Jesus told Paul, when Saul came to Christ, Jesus told him, you are going to suffer. I'm going to show you how much you're going to suffer for my name. And Jesus kept his promise. And when Paul writes his letters, you can see throughout his letters, significant suffering that Paul experienced following Jesus. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. When we are in relationship with Jesus Christ, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, we will not be ashamed of him because we know him because we have relationship with him, because we know whom we believe. And as we have relationship with Jesus, we will not live ashamed of Jesus. For I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. And that word entrusted is a very important word. We're gonna follow it here. He's saying, as God has given himself to me, God has redeemed me, he has placed himself in me, I have been entrusted by God. Follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me. What a statement. You know how many times words have come flying out of my mouth that as they were coming out of my mouth, I was wishing that I could grab them and pull them back. Oh, you've not had that experience apparently. <laughs> Listen to what he says. Follow the pattern of my sound words. That is a profound statement for somebody to be able to make. That You could say, everything you've heard from me, Follow that pattern. I want God to make my life into that. I want God to do that kind of work in me. That my life could have that kind of statement. Follow the pattern of my sound words. Wow, what a statement. Follow the pattern of the sound words you've heard from me and the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, within us, Timothy and Paul, Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. There's entrusted again. Paul's saying, I was entrusted by the Lord, and Timothy, you have been entrusted by the Lord. And then we follow that up, beginning in chapter two, that theme continues. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul was entrusted with the gospel, with faith in Jesus Christ. Timothy was entrusted with the gospel, with faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul is encouraging Timothy, you need to entrust others with the gospel, with faith in Jesus Christ. And it's from this concept that we have our God-sized goal at Big Valley Grace Community Church. And what is that God-sized goal? It is to glorify God through exponential discipleship. What is exponential discipleship? It is disciples, making disciples, making disciples, making disciples, disciples who are entrusting disciples with the gospel, who are entrusting disciples with the gospel, who are entrusting disciples with the gospel. Let's break this past verse down, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. 
Paul says, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Let's see the generations of discipleship that are in this verse. Paul, disciple number one is Paul. He says, what you've heard from me. Disciple number two is Timothy. He says, you. Disciple number three is teachers. He says, faithful men and trust faithful men who will be able to teach. And disciple number four is learners, others also. Do you see four generations of discipleship right there? Disciples, making disciples, making disciples, making disciples. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And this brings us to way number one. This generation needs Jesus in three very important ways. And way number one is this generation needs the present followers of Jesus to pass on the Christian faith to them. This generation needs the present followers of Jesus to pass on the Christian faith to them. Here I have a baton. And this baton says 2 Timothy 2.2 on it. It's got a cord wrapped through the baton. And then underneath, it's a roll of papers. This was a gift that was given to me by my parents when I turned 40 years old. My parents, followers of Jesus, saw me as a 40-year-old follower of Jesus, and they decided that they wanted to pass on to me, in a very significant moment, the baton. And on the roll of papers are verses that have been extremely significant in the life of my parents. And they wanted me to know that. So they wrote them down, and they attached it to this baton, and they gave this baton to me a very spiritual symbol from my parents. We are passing the faith of Jesus. We're passing Jesus. You're 40 years old, and it's significant in our family. And so we're passing the baton to you. Not all gifts do I remember receiving. I remember this one. I remember receiving this gift because it was a significant moment. You may want to do something like that in your family. We have these batons available in the nook. You may want to have a spiritual moment where you pass the baton in your family. I know that it was significant for me, and it might be significant for somebody you love, for you to do something like that with them. The next passage we're going to look at is Psalm 78. Psalms is in the middle of your Bible. And Psalm 78 is a maskil of Asaph. A maskil is a musical term or a liturgical term. Asaph, you find out about Asaph in 1 Chronicles 6. You don't need to turn to 1 Chronicles 6. But in 1 Chronicles 6, verse 31, it says that King David set up some people in the service of song in the house of the Lord. And then it goes on a few verses later to name Asaph. Asaph was set up by King David to serve in the service of song in the house of the Lord. And here now in our Psalms, we have uh, a Psalm that was written by Asaph. In verse one, it says, give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the word of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and have known that our fathers have told us. Do you see the generational language here? We're gonna share with you things from old. We're gonna share with you things that our fathers told us. We will not hide them from our children. 
You know, some people might have the opinion, you know, I don't really want to share my faith with my kids. I don't really want to impose my faith. You know, I don't really want to, you know, like, like say what I believe. I just want my kids to figure it out. Don't do that. Don't do that. The generation needs Jesus, and they need Jesus' followers to tell them about Jesus. We cannot expect this generation to hear about Jesus if the followers of Jesus do not share about Jesus. Do not hide them. We will not hide them from our children. But tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord, his might, the wonders that he has done. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have a testimony of the work of God that God has done in your life, and you need to share it. Because there's people who need to hear it. And God gave you a testimony so that you could share it with others. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children. let's, Let's hear that again. Our fathers to teach their children. That the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn. There are children yet unborn. They need to hear about Jesus, which means we need to be ready to share with this generation about Jesus. Children yet unborn, important to God, that they might hear about Jesus and arise and tell them to their children because there's more children. There's generations to go and those generations to go need to hear about Jesus. And so each generation has a responsibility to pour into the lives That they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. That they should not be like their fathers. Well, what does that mean? Well, a stubborn and rebellious generation. Oh, that's what that means. Don't be like that. A generation whose heart was not steadfast. Don't be like that. Whose spirit was not faithful to God. Don't be like that. What an incredible encouragement of how important it is for us to share our faith so that the generation that is now can be linked up to the chain reaction of faith that has been in our life, that we could continue that chain reaction of faith to this generation. This takes us to number two, way number two. This generation needs Jesus in three very important ways. Way number two is this generation needs the present followers of Jesus to make a faithful investment in them. This generation needs the present followers of Jesus to make a faithful investment in them. Share with you a story about my grandfather. My grandfather lived in Fresno and he had a 1946 Chevy Carryall. That means suburban if you don't know the term carryall. Okay? It means suburban. All right? Think suburban. Here's a picture of it. And back in the 90s, because he had this old car, and old cars are rare, the you know, local newspaper did an article about him. And so that's a picture of my grandpa right there, and that's the car. And the, this 1946 Chevy Carryall sitting in my garage right now. My grandpa was a carpenter. He's a Finnish carpenter. But more importantly, my grandpa served the master carpenter. He was a follower of Jesus. And before he would work every day, he would go out to his workshop and he would lay down a mat and he would lay down his Bible and he would spend time doing devotions. And he lived out of a place of following Jesus. He had great relationship with his neighbors. He served his neighbors because he was a helpful guy to have around, right? Because he's a carpenter. And he would invite his neighbors to church. And as you can guess, what would his neighbors say? They would say, 
No. But my grandpa was a smart man. He had a backup plan. And so he'd go to his neighbors and say, hey, I was wondering, would you want to come to church with me on Sunday? And they would say no. And he would say, how would you like to have a quiet house on Sunday morning? I teach the Sunday school at my church. Why don't you let your kids come with me? I'll take them to church with me, and then I'll bring them back. They'll be home by lunchtime. And his neighbors would go, that sounds great. (laughs) And so this 1946 Chevy Carryall, I think the record was 18 kids he put into this vehicle. (laughs) He was breaking laws before the laws ever were there. He had a bus ministry before bus ministries were cool. This generation needs the present followers of Jesus to make a faithful investment in them. In Titus chapter 2, Titus is near Timothy, near the end of our Bibles. Titus chapter 2, we see a picture between generations of Jesus followers and how important it is that older generations are making investments in younger generations. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded. This is Titus 2, 1 through 8. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. And I want you to know, there is incredible opposition to Jesus in this generation. The opposition to Jesus is strong, which means this generation is growing up in a generation of incredible opposition against Jesus. And this generation needs the present followers of Jesus to make a faithful investment in them. And this brings us to way number three. Way number three, this generation needs Christian men to invest in young boys and Christian women to invest in young girls. And the most important word is Christian. We need followers of Jesus to invest. Followers of Jesus who are men to invest in young boys and show them this is what a follower of Jesus who's a man looks like. And we need followers of Jesus who are women to invest in young girls so that these young girls can look and say, this is what a follower of Jesus who is a woman looks like. There is so much in our culture who is coming after young boys and young girls. And this generation needs Christian men to invest in the young boys. And this generation needs Christian women to invest in the young girls. I wanna share with you a testimony from a family who's serving Uh, in our family ministries right now. Let's enjoy this by watching this video together. Hi, we are Jonathan and Pamela Klein, and we have the privilege of serving in family ministries. By serving in family ministries, we get a chance to look at what's going on in our daughter's world. We come to main service, and 
what we see is, of course, all adults doing things and we see the adults up worshiping. But when you go to the family ministry side and you get to serve with those kids, you get to get into their world. And Jesus said that we should become like little children. But when you're over there, worship is a whole different thing. I mean, they are dancing around, they're having a great time. And then you see them come back in and they start doing their lessons and, and they're doing memory verses and they're playing games and they're, and they're putting things together and they're having fun in little teams. We get to go into their world, we get to go into a child's world, we get to see what our daughter's learning each Sunday. We really enjoy serving together, um, serving as a family. It's made a big difference for me, um, being a member of Big Valley, to connect with the church. And I've been going here just for a few years, but serving in the family ministries has helped me to really feel connected and feel a part of this church. As the body of Christ, we're all supposed to be serving somewhere. And it really is a privilege to go over and serve. There are people serving there three Sundays at 11 o'clock while we get to enjoy main service, while we get to worship. I feel like it's really important as a parent um, because I have a child in class. It's nice when somebody gives me that chance to be able to go to the main service. And so that I feel like I'm doing my part by um, just serving, serving once a month. It's really not that much of a sacrifice. Plus, by serving once a month, we get to hear the lesson. And it's something that we do at lunch every Sunday is we like to ask our daughter, okay, what did you learn today? And we like to have a family discussion. And then we talk about what we learned today. And so being the fact that we get to serve over there, we get a taste of that once a month. It's really enhanced our family conversation. And it's amazing if you break it down that if we had three other families that would join us, each would take a Sunday, we're talking about 12 families in all to cover family ministries a month. That's 12 families with once a month commitment. You'll be able to see what your kids are doing and you'll be able to see also what's going on and how people are loving on your children. In the book of Deuteronomy, we see a picture of what it looks like when families, households, groups of people are making this type of investment, investing the word of God into one another. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That sound, might sound very familiar to you. And the reason it sounds very familiar to you is because when Jesus was asked in the New Testament, what's the most important command, he quoted this. So he was quoting from this passage. Well, it goes on to say, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way. When you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This passage is a picture of what it looks like when there is an environment where the word of God has saturated that environment. When the word of God saturates an environment, people talk about it. They talk about it during mealtime. They talk about it when they get up. They're talking about it when they go to bed. They talk about it when they're traveling. It impacts, you know, what kind of bracelets they wear, what kind of hats they're wearing. I mean, if you look at the language here, you know, you tie it around your hands, you know, put it between your eyes. It impacts their whole life. And I imagine if every American household lived by this passage, we would have no need for children's ministry. Because it was God's design that it would happen in the home. 
But every American family and household is not living by this passage. And every household in Stanislaus County is not living by this passage. And so what do we have? We have family ministries. Because there's kids who need to hear about Jesus. There's kids who need to be connected to some people who are living in environments where the word of God is saturating their life so that this generation can hear about Jesus. And as we reach children, hopefully we will reach their parents too. Hopefully we'll reach their families so that their families could start living according to this. This uh, last semester, I've had a total blast serving on Wednesday nights. I serve with fourth and fifth grade discipleship. I lead a small group of boys and we're having a great time. Here's a picture of when Pastor Aaron on Wednesday nights is teaching to the fourth and fifth graders. It's, it's really great. It's super practical what Pastor Aaron is teaching to the fourth and fifth graders. Three weeks ago, we talked about what a godly marriage looks like. Last week or two weeks ago, we talked about how parent, children are supposed to listen to their parents so they can become wise. And last week, we talked about the responsibility parents have to disciple their children. This is the stuff we're talking about with fourth and fifth graders, and it's been incredible. It's very strategic what we do. Pastor Aaron gives a message, and then we just run them for like 30 minutes and just exhaust them. It's awesome. And then after they're all good and tired, we sit down and do small groups. Here's a picture of the team leading small groups. We started, uh, uh, let's put up the picture of the Christmas photo, there we go. We started with four people at the beginning of the semester and we grew the team to eight. We doubled the team. The really good looking tall elf right there, that's me. And uh, we're having a great time. We're having a great time investing in fourth and fifth graders. It's been a real blast. And we wanna share with you a goal because you know we wanna double the team. This is a goal that we're setting out before our church family, that we would add 100 Christian men and Christian women to invest in young boys and young girls. And we wanna share that goal with you, that we would add 100 Christian men and Christian women who are gonna invest in young boys and young girls. And my question to you, as we've looked at what this generation needs from followers of Jesus, my question would be, would you be willing to be one of the present, faithful, Christian men or women that this generation of young boys and young girls needs? Will you be one of the present, faithful, Christian men or women that this generation of young boys and girls needs? My wife and I are a part of a small group. We, we uh, do lots of stuff with our small group. Here's a picture of a trip we took with our small group, and that's not even all the kids in our small group. That's like half the kids in our small group. But our small group has some leaders. My wife and I don't lead the small group. We host it in our home, but there are leaders of our small group. And the leaders of our small group want to share a challenge with our church family. And so here's a video from the leaders of my wife and I's small group. Hi, my name is Greg Eilers, and this is my wife, Bridget. And uh, we lead a small group here at Big Valley. And uh, we're really excited. We love our small group. We love doing community and life with them. And uh, it was about six months ago um, that we decided to kind of uh, challenge our small group and kind of take it to that next level um, of something that we could do to help serve our church. And so what we decided to do as, as a whole small group is, is volunteer to meet every quarter and to serve the need to help volunteer in elementary ministries. And so that's what we've done. And uh, we did our first one a couple of months back and we're about to do our second one here coming up. And so 
We're really excited about it where we love serving the Lord together and uh, it's something that really benefits not only our, our kids' ministries but also our relationships uh, as we do life together as a small group. So we want to challenge you as a small group to get together, to pray, and see how you can partner with the church to make a difference in family ministries. And you can get information by going out into the lobby and talking to somebody who's a part of family ministries, or even um, writing that you want more information on the Connect card. So join us today and help make a difference in family ministries. So we want to extend this challenge to our church. And the challenge is that we would have 100 new Christian men and Christian women who are going to invest in young boys and young girls. And there's uh, an opportunity for you to take action on that today. Our team is in the lobby. Our family ministries team is in the lobby right after the gathering. And you can take this Connect card. You could fill out the Connect card and let them, hey, I want to serve in family ministries. You could take this card. You could, you could go out and talk to somebody from our family ministries team right after the gathering. Or you could take this card, fill it out, and you could put it in the, the black box. That's the Connect card boxes next to every exit. But I want to encourage you to consider, whether as an individual or as a household, maybe as a part of the group that you're a part of, how you together might meet the need and accept the challenge that there would be 100 new Christian men and Christian women who are going to invest in young boys in our family ministries. Let me pray for us. Father God, Lord, thank you for your word. Your word is so instructive. And as we read your word, it puts us in the right direction. It, it sends us in the right direction. And, and we can respond to your word. We can respond to what we read in your word. And we won't be disappointed because we'll head in the direction. And as long as our eyes are on you, Jesus, we're going to be heading in the right direction. And that's what we want to keep encouraging one another to do, that our eyes would be on Christ and as we follow the words of Jesus and are obedient to Christ, Lord, our lives would be heading in the right direction that we might encourage one another together in that. And so, Lord, we, uh, we're asking, would you stir in our church family? This generation's in desperate need of Jesus, and we want to be a part of the solution of that. And so would you stir in our church family? And um, would we reach many, many kids and students for Jesus Christ? And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said.